What if I told you there was an island in this world where it's completely legal to murder someone? I'm talking so legal that the government advertises it will not prosecute anyone if there is a murder on this island. And it has kept that promise. It's a plot of land only about 23 square miles, but it is an extremely dangerous place. In fact, I think it's interesting enough that we need to have a little talk about it today. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Killing Missing Hidden, or actually for this one, KMH Plus, the podcast about bad things. I'm your clown of a host, Brad, former criminal defense trial attorney of extraordinary experience. Our topic today is really interesting, or at least I found it really interesting. Special shout out to listener Misty for suggesting this one. I think she holds the record for most suggested topics that get turned into episodes despite the restraining order. She, she does a good job finding interesting little tidbits to dig into. Now, I don't, I really don't want to give away too much in the intro. I, I'd rather just jump into the entire story at once. So uh, we're going to do that. We're going to have to travel all the way to beautiful India for the story specifically to an island in the Bay of Bengal, the North Sentinel Island. This is an island that's surrounded by coral reefs and has no natural harbor. It's entirely forested, but for its thin, white, sandy beach that surrounds the entirety of the island. Very little is known about anything inside those forested walls that surround this land due to the certain death that inhabits the island. No exaggeration here. Like I said in the intro, the Indian government will not visit the land, even with military forces, and has expressly declared the island off-limits to all peoples. Since at least 2,000, at least three known murders have occurred on the island, yet the Indian government has been responded by saying the island was off-limits, we told y'all you shouldn't have gone there, we're not prosecuting. So what the heck is going on here? I mean, is this island haunted with, you know, mysterious and murderous ghosts? Is there a secret team of Nazis that have been hiding out there since the end of World War II? Maybe there's some sort of deadly plague that inhabits all the plant life and, and just withers you to, to dust. Nope, nope. It's actually much simpler than that while still being kind of complicated. North Sentinel Island is home to the Sentinelese, which is a small tribe of indigenous people who want to be isolated. Um, in fact, they demand that they be isolated. And they make these demands at the end of a spear. They are bloodthirsty in keeping outsiders out of their island. The Indian government has made multiple attempts to engage in diplomacy over the decades following the end of, of uh, British rule. But all such efforts have failed. The big problem is no one really knows the language, and that makes communication kind of difficult. During the last meeting, 
the Sentinelese kind of entertained the Indian researchers that were sent, but they made it clear at the end of the conversation that no more talking would occur. And they did this with knives out. Since then, the Indian government has just said, okay, this island is off limits. The five nautical miles surrounding the island is off limits. And the Indian Navy actually patrols this zone, which they call the exclusion zone. Now, now understand the Sentinelese people aren't just these barbarians that, you know, hate white men or brown men or any men they don't know. Uh, they actually have a pretty good reason for desiring isolation. It has been noted that they lack immunity to many common illnesses. And we'll get into some more reasons why they, they probably don't want to fool with outsiders, but that's a big one. They really can't handle a lot of the things that we would say are, you know, run-of-the-mill things. It, it's deadly to them. Because of their isolationist philosophy and how thick the woods are on this island, nobody knows how many people live there. I mean, official estimates from the government and governmental agencies put the number at somewhere between 15 to 400 people. Nice broad range there. In 1967, the Anthropo Anthropological Survey of India sent a team of 20 researchers to the island. And they were prepared. Like, they knew they would be bombarded with arrows and spears but when they arrived, there was not a soul in sight, which was very unusual and, of course, a little scary for them. But the researchers were there to do a job. They got out of their boats, and they found footprints in the sand leading into the forest, and they decided to follow. Eventually, the team you know, goes to the beach and to the forest, and they find a clearing where there's housing. Eighteen, what they described as well-built huts, that had obviously been abandoned quickly. You know, meals were still cooking over fires. Things had been knocked down in an obvious attempt to get away from the house quickly. The leaders of the village, you know, clearly decided that they were going to go into hiding and see what these people were going to do. And so, you know, studying what they could and fearful that there could be a sneak attack coming, the researchers, you know, poked around, looked in, didn't didn't touch anything, but, you know, looked in open doors and things like that. They kind of were of the opinion that 40, maybe 50 folks lived in this village. No evidence if this was the only village, if this was one of a series of villages, but it's, you know, that's about all the useful information they got out of it. They, in a, in a peace offering, they left behind gifts including things like coconuts, which didn't grow on the island. Um, they left some iron rods in the hopes that that could be useful for the people. And of all things, I don't know why this made me laugh, but plastic utensils. <laughs> so, um, And this, this actually has been the only expedition we know of to actually go into the woods of this island. All future attempts to visit have been repelled very violently by the Sintalese people. Now, in the 
early 1900s, there was another attempt made, and this was the first time ever that India had sent a female researcher. And that apparently caught these people off guard. And while, you know, they were still very threatening and they kept a very close eye on the researchers, they did not attack them. And they actually kind of engaged in some conversations with them. Again, the researchers brought gifts like coconuts and whatnot. And, but, like, they actually, the Sintelese people, you know, the women came out, even the children came out, and most of them were fascinated with the woman researcher. They all wanted to talk to her or interact with her. The men were kind of ignored, and, of course, the males of the Sintelese population kept a close eye on everything. And eventually, you know, they after a few minutes of... of pleasantries that's when the the men the warriors said okay that's enough y'all gotta go you know pulling out knives and motioning that it's time to get gone now i promised you murders and what would i be if i didn't deliver so we've got two stories here that talk about three murders one's kind of a quick one and one's a little bit more detailed the first one is just kind of fate. In 2006, two fishermen from Myanmar were caught up in some rough weather and were kind of forced to make an emergency landing on the island due to some equipment malfunctions. They called for a rescue ship, a rescue helicopter, something, and a helicopter was sent, but before it could make it to their location, the Sentinelese people killed the two men and buried their bodies in the sand. And Myanmar officials have never been allowed to recover those bodies. It's just been considered a loss. And there's been tales from people who can uh, who have, you know, passed by observing the island that the uh, indigenous people here have actually gone uh, onto the boat and salvaged it for things I guess they need or found it interesting. Now, the most famous murder to occur took place in 2018, fairly recently. And it was of a Christian missionary from Missouri. This fellow wanted to bring God's word to the remote portions of the globe, and he figured North Sentinel Island definitely qualified as a remote location. Uh, his name was John Allen Chow. And he was a trained outdoorsman, survivalist, like he could handle himself. This this wasn't, you know, just picking a random member of the congregation to be sent out there. He he really trained hard. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to live off the land out of respect for the Sentinelese people's situation. He went through multiple rounds of vaccinations just to make sure he brought no dangerous diseases with him. And I, I never could tell if he, I think he went out of Myanmar to get to these islands because India's just, no, nobody's going there. Technically, this is part of India's land, but it's actually closer to Myanmar. And so I believe the fishermen he got to take him there were from Myanmar. Um, and they agreed to do it. They, you know... Slowly and quietly approached. They didn't attract any attention. They got John on the island. 
and he waded ashore holding this huge fish that he had bought as a peace offering. And as he was wandering ashore, apparently, he left, he had a journal, and he noted that he could see movement amongst the trees, but he could never really make out anybody. So when he got out of the water and he was standing on the sands, he shouted, My name is John. I love you, and Jesus loves you. And as soon as those words left his lips, arrows just started flying from everywhere. Now, John managed to escape, and he was able to take refuge in the woods. And he survived long enough to do some diary entries, which is why we know what happened. And his last diary entry, he noted that his Bible was pierced by an arrow shot by a child when he was running away. And he, you know, it kind of ends with a lot of prayers to God, basically saying, you know, I don't want to die. I think I can serve you, but I'll accept whatever fate you have for me. At sunrise, the fishermen were still hanging around. I don't know if if John was expecting to return after a few days or what the deal was, but um, they were still hanging around, and they saw four of the warriors dragging John's lifeless body onto the beach and burying him in the sand. Again, no one was allowed to recover his remains. The U.S. tried to get involved, but basically, I mean, you'd have to have a special forces team go in there and slaughter these people before you could get remains. Nobody wants to do that to a tribe like this. The fishermen who took John to the island were arrested for uh, breaking Indian law. And my understanding is they were sentenced to jail for for John's death and for, I guess they were kind of held vicariously liable for that. But for them doing this, he wouldn't have died, you know. In 2021, the Anthropological Society Survey of India issued a statement to other researchers and academic institutions saying, look, we need to take a hands-off, eyes-on policy for any future research efforts of this island. Meaning, you want to drive by it in a boat, that's fine. You want to fly over it, that's fine. Don't touch the island. Don't directly engage with these people. Hands off. Now, What I mentioned earlier is that there may be another reason for the hostilities here. And some historians have proposed that this hostile attitude comes more so from how the people were treated by the British. There was a, in particular, a British naval officer by the name of Maurice Portman, who saw these quote-unquote savages and decided they needed to be civilized. And so his first step in doing so was leading a small raiding party onto the island, wherein he kidnapped six people, two elderly and four children. And he brought them aboard his ship, and you know he was going to teach them manners and about proper society and, and religion and those sorts of virtues. Well, the two elderly members he kidnapped got sick instantly. And as we know, ships back in the day were not the cleanest places in the world. 
Um, and before really the surgeon on board could do anything to help, they died. And so this officer Portman guy kind of, I, I, I get the vision that he kind of panicked <laughs> and said, okay, enough of this. Puts the children back on land, gives them a whole bunch of fruits and other gifts. It's kind of like a peace offering, you know, sorry that we killed your elderly, but uh, here's some nice oranges. And again, historians say that's when these people kind of adopted this isolationist policy. You know, anybody that sets foot on the island that we don't know is going to die. And it's continued from there. And that's it. That's the story of our free murder island. Now, I'm guessing India will prosecute you if you go to the North Sentinel Island and start killing the Sentinelese. But they are completely free to just tear you apart if you get too close. So maybe it's not a good idea to go. Uh, you know, I mean, in today's world, when we can't even say how many people are living on the island or even what sorts of flora and fauna are native to the island, that's something. I mean, this is truly like a lost world in 2023. It's wild. So I, this is a short story, I know that, but when I heard about it, I was like, this is fascinating. I have to share this with y'all. So I hope you appreciate it. I just, it's baffling to me, like I just said, that there's still such a remote, and mysterious place left in this world. So just a fun little episode to help brighten your day. Um, you know, thank you all for supporting the podcast. I, I really do appreciate it. We hope that we continue to put out enough uh, little mini-sodes like this to keep you entertained and feel like you're getting your money's worth. We'll keep on doing our normal Tuesday releases and sprinkle in these fun short stories when we can. As always, you know, Please help spread the word to the extent that you can and want to. I mean, it'd be awesome if you went knocking door to door, you know, handing out KMH literature. Uh, but I can understand where some of y'all may be uncomfortable with that. I I find it a little, you know, selfish and weak, but that that's just me. Um, you know, well... You know, I'll let you go with that. That's our story. I wish you nothing but smooth seas, particularly if you're going towards the North Sentinel Island. Um, and if you do go there, take a couple of pictures because it looks and sounds wild. Um, but anyway, until next time, when I come up with something even more entertaining, Brad out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.